Matthew chapter 25 this morning. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. I was this morning. I want to do a message on uh, on faithfulness. May the Lord find us faithful. So that's something that I know the Lord. We see in the Bible. We're going to see some scriptures about this. But the Lord's looking for people who are faithful. I know as a as a pastor that that's something that I long for is faithful people. And I thank the Lord so much for the faithfulness of the people in our church. I'm thankful that it's summer. And our attendance is going up. I mean, that's that's a blessing. A lot of times, uh, summertime, that's kind of when attendance drops off and they take a big hit. I noticed last uh, last year we had the big back to church Sunday in September, and I t- I was totally offended by that when I saw that because I thought it just seemed like we were okaying everybody's vacation from church the whole summer. And it's like kind of adding to the idea in our area that yeah, church is just for the fall, winter, and spring. It's like no church. That's a year-round thing. I was like back to church Sunday. That's every Sunday in my book. And uh, but unfortunately, that's just kind of how it is. But thank the Lord, that's not been the case here, and I pre- I appreciate that very much. And I know it encourages my heart. But in Matthew chapter twenty-five, I want to read a passage of scripture to you. And it says, um, the Lord's given a parable here of the talents. He gives people these talents. And there's a statement that He makes here because I believe it's a statement that the Lord is going to make to us, hopefully, on Judgment Day. And it ought to be the goal of every one of us to hear these words from our Savior. In verse 20 it says, And so is he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, now deliver unto me five talents, Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Notice that well done, thou good and faithful servant. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou hast delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Well, there hast thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knowest or knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I strawed, uh, have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put thy money to the exchanges, and then at thy coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think the Lord here has given us a parable and He's trying to give us a picture of what's to come. Someday we're all going to stand before Christ. And you know we've all been given different things. We've all been given different talents. And God's going to want to look and He's going to judge us based on how we use those. How we used what He gave us. And notice that statement, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
God is looking for faithful people. I mean, that's one of the best compliments you can get from God. That really, it's the goal of my life to someday when I stand before God to be called faithful. So that word faithful, what is it? Well, really, my outline this morning basically is just the definition of faithfulness. There's four different definitions I want to look at. And we, I think we need to be every one of these things. As Christians, as as church members, as, as husbands, as wives, and everything, we ought to be faithful people. But the first definition, it means just full of faith or having faith. Disposed to believe, especially in the declarations and promises of God. Now these definitions that I usually give you on words, I get them from the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And Webster, he was a Christian. He often used Scripture verses as ways to uh, teach the definition of a word. And I think when you go to the 1828, you get the closest definition for sure of the word as you see it in the Bible. And he says, full of faith. Somebody that's disposed to believe. We ought to be people that just, we naturally, just easily believe what the Word of God says. Just full of faith. Not, not doubters. We all heard of doubting Thomas in the Bible that just had a hard time believing anything. When somebody came and told him, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus was here in the midst of us. We saw Him. He didn't, he didn't believe it. He said, I've got to see it first. And we know the Lord wasn't pleased with that. But many people are like that. They just aren't too quick to believe the Word of God. If you were to tell them, it quote them the verse in the Bible that says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, I don't know if whosoever. I mean, do you really do you think that Hitler could have gotten saved after all the bad things that he did? I mean, do you think that guys like John Wayne Gacy and Jeffrey Dahmer and all these people, do you think those people could have gotten saved? Listen, I might be a simple person, but I just believe the Bible when it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe I know He saved me. I know He saved my soul. And if God says that He can do that, I just I believe He's going to do that. My God, my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if God can feed me. I don't know if God can take care of this need. I just I don't I don't think He can handle that one. Is that your attitude, or do you just you just believe God? Hey, we're going to be all right. God's going to take care of us. Full of faith. Have you ever known somebody like that? They just boy, they just trusted God in everything. That's the way we ought to be. Somebody that is just full of faith in God. Galatians chapter three and verse six says, "Even as Abraham, Abraham is a wonderful example of somebody who is faithful, of somebody who." And all the definitions, Abraham was one of these men, and he says, "Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness." Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the Gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Notice how much the word faith and faithful is used there just in this one story of Abraham. When God came to him and said, Abraham, you're going to have a son. At a hundred years old, Abraham was full of faith and he believed that God can do it. Abraham, when God came to him and said, I want you to give your son to me in a sacrifice. I want you to kill your own son. Abraham went and did it. 
And Abraham, he just had enough faith. He believed that, hey, if I kill my son, God said that He was going to multiply my seed like the stars of the heaven through Isaac. And if I kill my son, God is just going to have to raise him from the dead. If God tells me to do something, I've got to do it. That was his attitude. If God says He's going to do something, even if He tells me to do something that seems to go against what His promise is, God can make God can work it out. That was just his attitude. When God told Abraham to leave the Ur of the Chaldees and go off to a land that he'd never seen, a land away from his fathers, Abraham did it. He staggered not at the commandment. He just did whatever God told him to do. He had that kind of faith. We ought to be prone to believing, not doubting. Whenever we read one of the promises of God, listen, there are some things. I mean, sometimes I'm going to admit it, myself included. The devil gets doubts in my mind. He gets me thinking, you know, I don't know if the Lord can handle this situation. And I don't know if the Lord's going to answer that prayer. I don't know if He can do that. The devil gets those things in my head sometimes. But it ought to just be a natural reflex for us just to believe what the Word of God says. I mean, it seems like so much preaching these days is not so much telling people what's in the Bible, but trying to get people to believe What's right there in black and white? It ought to just be natural for us to believe. Just like a young child, those little kids, you know, they believe their parents. I mean, when you tell them something, you know, you tell them there's a Santa Claus, they believe there, you know, they believe there's a Santa Claus. You tell them you're the strongest man in the world, they believe you're the strongest man in the world. They just, they believe what dad tells them. I told you all, my daughter, she saw this little Superman thing, little Superman flash drive. I, I did not influence her one bit. She saw that, she looked and she said, is that daddy? And I said, yes it is. <laughs> and so she always looks at that and she calls, she calls it dad. I think she's figured out that it's not. But you know, you know, kids, they, just, they, they believe their parents. They have faith. They trust them. You know, I can put her up on something and she'll jump to me. She just has, she has that faith and that trust that I'm going to catch her. And we ought to be that same way with God. Because you know, as parents, sometimes we don't always tell them the truth. Maybe we go and we dash their hopes and dreams when we give them the truth about Santa Claus later because maybe you told the story a little too long or something. Or, or maybe you know, we play the jokes and things to the kids. Or sometimes you, know, you tell the lies just to get them to listen to you. you know, if you don't eat your vegetables, you know, you're gonna, you know, something horrible is going to happen to you. You're going to fall over dead or something like that. You, know, you eat too much candy. You know. <laughs> you know, we, just, we come up with crazy things. Um, I remember at my dad's church, you know, we had a place that we called the cave, and there was like this little uh, opening in the wall that kind of went under where the platform and everything was. And sometimes when the kids were bad, and I, you know, it was right before church, you need to get to be good. You're desperate, you know, and you st- yeah, I see the cave. That's where the bad kids have to sit during church. You know, probably not a good thing to do. Um, I confess my sins to everybody there, <laughs> but you get desperate sometimes. But you know, God doesn't do that to us. God tells us the truth and we have no reason to doubt Him. And the truth, true faith is going to show in our actions. Psalms 31.23 says, O love the Lord, all ye His saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. You can say you're faithful all you want. You can say I have faith all you want. But if it doesn't show in your actions, it's not really faith. Alright, the Lord, He reward, plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope 
in the Lord. We, I mentioned this on Wednesday, that I believe it was Wednesday the other night, that hope that's in the Lord. Basically what we're saying when it comes to, our, for example, in our salvation, I believe I'm going to heaven. And my hope is in Jesus Christ. In other words, if it's not Him, I'm not going. Because I know I'm not good enough to get to heaven on my own. If Jesus Christ's blood that He shed on the cross isn't enough, I haven't got a chance. If Jesus Christ isn't the way, if Jesus Christ was a, if if He was a liar, if He's then I'm in big trouble. I am gonna go to hell. But my hope is in the Lord. My hope and my trust is in Him. And because of that, I don't have to worry. I don't have to doubt my salvation. I don't have to wonder if I'm going to heaven. I don't have to be scared that if I died, that I might end up in hell for some reason. My hope is in the Lord. My faith and my trust is in Him and we ought to be faithful, prone to believing God and prone to believing what the Scriptures say. I mean, we ought to just be foolish enough to believe that when the Bible, when Jesus said that He's going to come again and receive us unto Himself, we ought to just be foolish enough to believe that He's going to come again one of these days. When He says to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, we ought to just be foolish enough to believe that you know what? When I die, my soul is going to immediately be in heaven with Christ. We ought to be able to believe that. When Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you, we ought to believe that there's a place in heaven with mansions for us. I believe it. When it says there's streets of gold, I believe that. Why? Because the Bible says it. That will drive a lot of people crazy. Why do you believe that way? Because the Bible says. Why do you believe Jesus is the only way? Because the Bible says. Well, why do you believe the Bible? Because the Bible says we should. Bible, you know, why, do you, why do you believe the Bible's right? Because the Bible says that God promised that He was going to preserve His Word to all generations. It says that in my Bible. My hope. It's, my belief. It's in this book. I just I believe it. And that's, that's faith. And that's what God wants from us. Be faithful. We trust in His Word. The second definition, firm adherence to promises, oaths, contracts, treaties, or other engagements. Psalms chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. There's, say, there's been many times I've felt like that. It's like, you know, Lord, there's so many liars out there. There's so many fakes out there. You just can't trust people. Where are the faithful? And David felt like that in this psalm. Oh, and you know what? I imagine God probably feels like that sometimes. But I hope it's never with me. Because we ought to be faithful as people that we keep our promises, we fulfill our oaths, I mean, we come through in our contracts, our engagements, whatever it is. If you tell somebody you're going to do it, we ought to do it. We ought to be. I mean, that's just good Christianity right there. Somebody that keeps their promises. You know, there are some people out there who are Christians that will take advantage of other Christians. They'll make a promise maybe to pay them back some money or maybe to do something for them. They think, well, they're another Christian. They can understand if I can't do it. And you'll go and you just totally bail on them and expect them to be Christian about it and be understanding. When The truth is, you weren't faithful. You didn't keep your promises. Listen, the Bible says it's better not to vow a vow than to make a vow and break it. Listen, I mean... I remember, I think I've probably given this example before. I remember when I was on bus, I had a bus route back there in LaSalle. And we'd go out on Saturdays and we'd go to visit 
the families and visit these kids, try to get them to come to church. And boy, we had this this one lady. She had these kids, and they were they were a wild bunch. But boy, we love these kids. Wanted them to come to church, and she didn't wake them up. They didn't, you know, they wouldn't come. We'd go there a lot of times, knock on the door, and they're still there sleeping. And so we go there Saturday. We talk to moms like, "Hey, you know, can you make sure the kids are up and ready?" Oh yeah, they'll be there. Make sure you stop by tomorrow. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. And we go and we would stop there in the morning, knock on the door, and nobody answers. Knock on the door, and finally somebody comes to the door. Uh, you know, half out of it. And boy, it just come on. You know, wasted all this time. You know, when you're on a bus route, you're always late. You know, you want to be get to church on time. We're always running late. And so then we go back the next Saturday. And hey, hey, are, are the kids going to make it? Oh yeah, they're going to be there. They're going to be there. And sure enough, the next week, just over and over again. And I used to just get so mad and think, you know what? Listen, I I I, I was nice. I didn't tell people this, but I would just be like, listen, we want you to come. And I know that. When we ask you, are you going to come to church? What we want to hear is yes. Anytime I invite somebody to church, I want them to say, yes, I'm going to be there. But, if you're not going to be there, I'd rather hear no. I would rather you just tell me the truth, say no, and then I don't have to come here and wait for you in the morning. And it would just drive, just tell the truth. And you know, I expect that from lost people. I really, I really do. But from God's people, that shouldn't be the case. Listen, if you can't do it, just, just don't, don't make the promise. Listen, don't tell me you're going to give me a million dollars and then get me all excited and then not give it to me later. All right, that's just not going to put me in a very good mood. I'm not mad at one person in here for not giving me a million dollars. You know why? Nobody's offered it to me. Nobody's told me that they were going to do it. So I'm not expecting it. But you tell somebody you're going to do something and then you don't do it, boy, you really make it tough for that person. When they come to church, you mean when I come to church, I want to be thinking good towards God's people. And if I've been lied to, if I've been double-crossed, if I've depended on you, and you'll be down, it's going to be tough. And we don't want to be doing that to each other. And it's a dangerous thing to do. We need to be faithful people and not just towards other Christians, especially to lost people. You ought to be faithful on your job. You get a job somewhere, you get a full-time job, and they're they're paying you, they're taking care of you, and one day you don't show up for work. You didn't call them, you didn't say anything. I was trying out another job. I'm telling you, you're probably not going to be looking at a promotion anytime soon. They're looking for somebody that's faithful, somebody that's dedicated, somebody that's committed. The best people in the world to hire should be Christian people. We ought to be the best ones. I know they're not supposed to ask questions about religions and things, but boy, I mean, you know, the places they ought to be wanting them. But you know what? Sometimes Christians, they can be the worst ones. Set bad examples. That should be the case. We should be faithful people. God notices the faithful and they're protected. Psalms 101 verse 1 says, The Psalm of David, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. I believe that might have been a prophecy about television right there. But in verse 4, A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will I not suffer, will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful. Yeah, mine eyes shall be upon the faithful. You want to get God's attention? 
You, know, you want to get your boss's attention? Be faithful. Listen, everybody likes faithful people. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. God's looking for faithful people. You want to be used of God? You want to be used in the world? Be faithful. Be committed. Keep your promises. As Christians, we ought to be faithful people. We keep our promises. The third definition we see is true and constant in affection or allegiance to a person to whom one is bound by a vow, be ties of love, gratitude, or honor, as to a husband, a prince, a friend, firm in the observance of duty, loyal of true fidelity, as a faithful husband or servant. First Samuel chapter twenty-two, verse fourteen. We see another great example. You know, two people in the Bible that the Lord often referred to. Uh, one of them. Abraham, the friend of God, constantly noted for his faithfulness. David, a man after God's own heart, the apple of God's eye. David also noted time and time again for faithfulness. I mean, if you want to get on God's good side, faithfulness does it. In 1 Samuel 22.14, it says, Then Ahimelech answered the king. King Saul is going after David. He's trying to kill him. And he said, Who is so faithful among all thy servants as David which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding, and is honorable in thine house. Saul's trying to kill David, and Saul had no reason to go after David. Saul was just jealous of David. And Ahimelech said, hey, he's your most faithful servant. This guy does everything he's supposed to do. And you know why David was like that? Because Saul was the king. David would not lift his hand against the Lord's anointed. Because of his position, because of who he was, David was faithful to Saul. And we ought to be the same way. For example, to our spouses. Be faithful. Be faithful to them. They ought to be able to count on you. You ought to be able to count on them. I mean, the people, like our church. I mean, how would you all like it if this morning, you know, I just, I didn't show up? And I'm like, you know what? I went and preached to one of the other churches in town. I like those people better, right? And you know, I, there might be times I go preach other places and stuff, but not because I like you better. This is my church. This is this is the priority for me. This said, uh, you know, I've, there's other churches out there. I, I like to go visit them. I like to fellowship with them. My home church uh, in LaSalle, I still love that place, but this place has taken over. And priority, and I want to be faithful to this church because you know the Lord's given me the opportunity to be the pastor here, and it deserves my faithfulness. And if I'm constantly switching and changing churches and gone all the time and for every little thing, I'm going to have a tough time accomplishing anything here. Because you know what, church members are looking for a faithful pastor. A lot of church, a lot of churches these days. I mean. Two years is a long time to keep a pastor anymore. And I can't talk. I haven't been here two years <laughs> two years yet. But hey, we're on our way there. We're on our way there. I want to be I want to be faithful. And we need to be that way to those who deserve it. You ought to be faithful to your boss. 
at your job. You ought to be faithful to your family. And faithfulness, it should hold fast until death. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. It's like, well, what if, you know, really, so what is the definition of somebody who is faithful? How do, how long do I have to be faithful for God to call me faithful when I stand before Him on Judgment Day? What if I'm faithful for 50 years? I mean, 50 years I'm faithful to God. And then after that, if I quit and I'm only unfaithful for five years, will I still get called faithful in heaven? I personally believe you won't. It's my personal belief you could be faithful for 99 years and then quit on God and give up and for one year, the last year. And it's the last year that's important, by the way. It's the end that's important. And you're not going to be faithful. It says in Revelation 2.10, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Not just until death, unto death. Be faithful until you die. Even if they're putting you to death for your faith. And that happened to many Christians. That has happened to so many Christians in our history. It's still happening in some places today. And it's going to happen a lot more in the future. Probably more than ever. And God said, be faithful unto death. What is faithfulness? Being faithful until you die. What's a faithful husband? One that's faithful 364 days out of the year? No. One that's faithful until death. Do you part? That's what it says in the vow. It ought to last and last a long time. We ought to. We ought, man, I'm just. You know, it's my plan just to serve God until I fall over dead. There may come a time where physically I can't do some of the things that I'm doing now, but I fully, I fully intend to quit when I'm dead, and that ought to be all our attitudes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on going until I physically cannot do it anymore. That's why we, you know, we have nursing home ministries. There's folks they can't get out anymore. They're not able to drive. They can't do the things. But boy, it's nice when you see them coming out. They're just, they're there. They're there every time we go there. Just faithful. They'd be in church if they physically could do it. You know, they're faithful people, and that's the way that we ought to be. I'm going to do it until I can't do it anymore. I heard a story of a fellow one time who was blind and deaf, and he showed up to church every Sunday. He was blind and deaf. And somebody he was able to communicate with the sign language where they do it on the hand. I don't know how it all works. But somebody asked him one time. They got somebody to interpret. They just wanted to know, why do you even show up? You don't get anything out of it. You can't see what's going on. You can't hear what's going on. You're not getting anything from the preaching. And that man, he signed back to that person and told him to tell him, I just want people to know whose side I'm on. He wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it for other people. If his presence was an encouragement to somebody, he wanted to do it, and that that man was faithful to the house of God. And I can tell you, I can tell you right now from experience. I know one person. I guarantee it encouraged. It was his pastor. I guarantee it encouraged a lot of people in the pews. I've been the person in the pew listening, and you know what? It's nice when you're not the only one listening to the message. It's nice having other people that way too. If the pastor gets too rough, you can feel like man, he's preaching to somebody else and not me. But. 
I think it's just encouraging to have to be around the faithful. And then the fourth definition we see the last one: worthy of confidence and belief, conformable to truth or fact, exact, accurate as a faithful narrative or representation. People ought to be we ought to be worthy of people's confidence. God should be confident in us. First Samuel chapter two verse thirty five says, And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. God said, I'm looking for a faithful priest, one that's going to do what I want done. One that's going to do things my way. That's going to do what's in my mind. Somebody that I can have confidence in. You know, there's some there's been times where I've asked maybe my kids to do something, and I I ask you know do this this way, and then they go and do something another way. That wasn't what I asked for. That's not what I wanted. Well, you know, I thought this way was better. I mean, how would you like that if if you were a boss and one of your employees did that? Hey, all right. This is the way you need to do this. I don't like that. I like this other way. God's not looking for people that are trying to push their own ideas. He wants people who are faithful that He can have confidence that they're going to do things my way. When the Lord called me to pastor Liberty Baptist Church, it was my goal, and it still is my goal, to the best of my ability, not to do things according to what pleases man, but to just do my very best to do things according to the Scripture. To just find out what the Bible says about something, no matter how small it is, and try to do that. Just to try to follow the Bible because this is what God wants. This is God's what's in God's mind. This is what God's will is. And I want God to be able to depend on me that I'm going to do that. God ought to be confident in us. Genesis chapter 18, verse 17. I think this is a great passage here. Here He's talking about Abraham again. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? God was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. And then He said, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which He has spoken of. God said, I know Abraham. Abraham, he's going to teach his children my ways. Abraham's going to do what I've commanded him to do. I've made Abraham some great promises concerning his family. You know why I've made that? Because I know Abraham and I am confident that he's going to follow my will. You know all of it. God, I mean, there's no limit to what God can do with us if we would be obedient to Him. If we would follow His Word, but I wonder how much confidence God has in me sometimes. Because confidence and trust are something that's earned. Okay, now I know you know teenagers say if you go off of what they teach on television and stuff, you know, mom and dad, you're supposed to just trust me. You don't trust me. What's wrong with you, mom? You're terrible parents because you don't trust me. No, we don't trust you. You have to earn trust. I know I lied to you, mom and dad, but I'm your daughter. I'm your son. I deserve your trust. Not if you've been lying. Not if you haven't been doing what you're supposed to do. Not if you're telling me one thing and doing something else. Confidence and trust are earned. You have to earn that. I should be allowed to have this freedom. I should have these privileges. No. 
confidence is earned. And people do. They'll say, you don't trust me and they act like you're a terrible person because you don't trust them. Sorry, you got to earn that. You know, when when I when we first started this church, when I I'm, you know from the get go, my attitude was, hey, these people don't know me at all. They don't know that I'm a nice guy. You know, they don't know that I care. I'm going to have to earn that trust. I'm going to have to earn that confidence. I'm going to have to be, because they don't know I'm a nice guy. I need to make sure I don't preach too mean because they might take it wrong. They don't know me yet. I've got to, that trust is something they earn, and it's something we don't just deserve it. And Abraham, he earned it with God. We ought to try to earn that with God. Others, not just God, but others ought to be confident in us. If we're faithful people, they will. Proverbs twenty six: Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. You know, there's a lot of people out there that will tell you that they're faithful. I mean, we would never do this here, but if I was to just ask the question, who all here thinks you're faithful? Well, there might be maybe 90% of us, I don't know. Maybe most of us would say, that's me. But if we were to do a poll with your family and your friends, your co-workers, and say, hey, is this person faithful? What would they say? Others ought to think believe that we're faithful too. Others ought to have confidence in us. You know, faithful man, who can find it's it's hard to find somebody that you can depend on. Proverbs twenty five thirteen says, As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. There's just something refreshing about a faithful person that you know you can count on. Hey, I asked this person to do something. It's going to get done. They're going to take care of it. I can count on that person. That's that's something that we ought to desire as Christians. We ought to be that person. Your boss ever said, "Hey, this is okay. I asked this person to do it." There's been people in the past. I remember at my old church. Sometimes there was folks that would volunteer for things to do certain things. Whenever they would volunteer, I would always be ready to be prepared to do it myself. Because I knew there was a good chance it wasn't going to get done, and I usually wasn't disappointed. <laughs> and that's a sad testimony, but that's the case. But really, one of the most flattering things someone can do for you is to trust you with something that's precious to them. It should excite us, and it should humble us when God trusts us with something. And it should be the goal of everyone here to be counted faithful by Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1.12 And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that He counted me faithful putting me in, into the ministry. So I've, I've had some nice things said about me before by people. I usually don't put a whole lot of stock in that. And you shouldn't do that either. But boy, there is one person I'm really hoping I can impress one of these days. And right now, there's one person that I'm hoping one of these days I want to hear the compliment from him. I want to hear the praise from him. I want him to say the word to me, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." We've been talking. We've been doing, on Sunday nights. We're doing a series on service. Being a servant—it's a wonderful thing to be a servant of God. It's a privilege to be a servant and to be called faithful. That—that's it right there. 
Listen, there's great award rewards and things that we give out on this earth. I know the Congressional Medal of Honor. That's one of the big ones. That'd be pretty exciting to get something like that. I know we've probably got, we've got some people here in the military. You were decorated, given different honors and things, and I'm sure those were great moments that you were, were very exciting. But boy, imagine getting that from Christ. Well done, a good and faithful servant. That's what I'm looking for, and I hope you are too. So let's all stand together, our heads bowed, and eyes.